0: Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five star review. That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. Are you a woman of color in tech who feels stuck because you don't see people who look like you, you lack support from someone who truly understands your journey, and you want to overcome obstacles that you're facing in the tech industry? If you want to elevate your pay, become a leader at your company, be noticed by colleagues and executives to advance in your career, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my private coaching program and is now open. I'm only accepting a limited number of people to the program, so apply today at t l m i n t l dot link forward slash tech trifecta hey, welcome to episode one eighty nine The topic of this week's episode is resiliency in business. My guest this week is Jody walkerling for over twenty five years. Jody has been working in financial educational service, and product-based organizations in various managerial roles. During this time, Jody witnessed cultural clashes and felt the burnt of the stress it generates firsthand. Jodi's experience, coupled with several qualifications, have heightened her understanding of business and organizational culture and raised her awareness of the impact of stress on individuals in a team and their leaders. She has witnessed cultural barriers and difficulties firsthand as a leader within a corporate organization, empathized with others that were experienced the same challenges, and wanted to make changes to prevent herself and others from burning out or feeling that they were inadequate or underappreciated when they were competent and highly valued. Hi, Jody. Welcome to Trina Talk.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me on as a guest, Trina. Thank you for being here and taking time out of your busy, busy day where well, you're in Australia. So it's what is it nighttime there for you?
1: Um, or a.m.
0: 11 a.m. Okay, so yes, daytime. Well, starting your day or in the middle of your day. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in. But I love how you're showing up in the world and what you're doing. Um, you're. You're talking on resiliency and some things, but how I like to start the conversation off is I always ask my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Jody that you are today.
1: Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, I'm somebody who's very uh, purpose driven, and I guess who made me that is, is it's I don't know. I've always looked at the the challenges in my life as, as, um, as what's kind of shaped who I am. So it, it basically, yeah, purpose driven and driven towards actually making a, a positive difference in, in the world is probably the easiest way to say.
0: Wow. Wow. So how are you using that in the world? What are you doing today? Because I think you're, you're working. Um, with various people and doing various things. Tell us what you're doing.
1: So I work um, with people on resilience, so often with um, businesses, and that's resilience in terms of individuals building their resilience, leaders building their resilience, but also leading in a way that that builds resilience in their their team. And also on business cultures, because the culture has an enormous difference to resilience. So they they sound like separate things, but they all actually really tie in together, because if you create a good culture, you're creating a culture in an organization where there is less stress and, and the people in that organization are more resilient.
0: I love that. And I love that because of the era that we're living in today. Right. And. Um, And resiliency, not only in the business aspect, but in your personal life, but in business in particular because of what we are experiencing now and how people are feeling. What are you seeing in your business and working with other businesses and what are the challenges that you see coming up?
1: Um, I guess probably the biggest challenge that's going on at the moment is, is to do with the pandemic and, and all of the uncertainty um, around that. So it's, it's been extremely challenging and has highlighted a lot of the issues that were already there. So there were already some serious concerns around um, stress and around mental health, and the pandemic has made that significantly um, more pronounced um and mm-hmm. and probably more concerning so i guess probably the biggest challenge is working out okay what's that actually mean and what's the best way to navigate this as individuals for ourselves but also um, as leaders for our teams and i think a lot of it um, i bring this back a lot of the time to the core human needs so um, things like core human needs of connection that's been a big problem for a lot of people. Things like people need um, certainty. We need to kind of know what's going to happen down the track, because one of the biggest things with the pandemic has been constantly changing um, rules, demands, requirements. Um, Yeah, and we need to feel more in control of our own destiny. So I think these are core, core needs that people aren't often aware of core needs that really do need to get worked on in order to navigate navigate the best future for ourselves.
0: Yeah. What what made you decide to take this path as far as resiliency? Because it is important, and uh, you know, I've never heard anyone say that they're doing that. Um, but resiliency is something that you know, you have to have it, you know, and whether it's, like I said, in business or personally, what made you say, you know what, that's where I want to be. And that's the impact that I want to have.
1: Yeah, I I have, um, throughout most of my career worked in corporate um, and have been in positions of um, authority, accountability, um, responsibility. And while I could do those jobs and probably do them quite well, um, stress was a constant thing in my life. So it, it goes up and down as things happen, but generally I was living in a state of stress. And then a few years back, that hit quite a pretty cool, critical point where it was affecting my health, it was affecting relationships. And um, basically my focus on resilience came originally out of me looking at that and going, this isn't quality of life. <laughs> And then, working on myself around what I need to do to create a different reality and a different um, build that resilience in myself, so that's where it came out of and and my personal nature is if I build something in myself i I want to teach it and help others so
0: yeah, and so when you are helping businesses, are you helping them just from? their standpoint or are you also helping them with helping their teams and their people be resilient in working and managing their life to be the better employee? Yeah,
1: it depends on the organization as to what they um, what they need and what they're looking for. So it can be working one-on-one with somebody around their own resilience and it can be working with um, teams through training or coaching um, or consulting basically in terms of the team. So it goes anywhere from the individual person up to um, an organizational culture.
0: Oh, wow, yeah, and it's it's so you know so so necessary and when you're when you're working with these uh, corporations, are you working executive management? is it leadership that's calling you in and saying this is what we need you to do? Or is it more of a um, group training session that they have, that they're trying to help their people?
1: Yep. Again, it depends on the organization. So all those things you just said, yeah. Yeah, you do it all. (laughs) (laughs) Anything related to resilience, either from individual or or leadership or or cultural, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so here's... My question and because you like I said, we're in unprecedented times right now, and you mentioned earlier about how um, people's mental states are playing on it. what are you seeing in your line of work? Are you seeing that um, executives are feeling it as well as the lower level people because I think now they've termed um, this time period as the great resignation. Um, A lot of people are, you know, leaving corporate to start their own businesses or just have a better quality of life. What are you seeing?
1: It's affecting the full range. Mm-hmm. So um, there are leaders out there who have or are looking to move on from roles that probably in, in non-pandemic situations, they would still be quite happy to to carry mm-hmm. on. So it goes from organisational leaders down to to your everyday person, so full range. Um, And I think people are feeling an enormous amount of fatigue. Um, We're getting close to two years, and that's a long time to be in that um, on-edge, yeah, really uncertain um, circumstance. So, yeah. Um, it's affecting everybody. And the biggest thing I'm seeing is is absolute fatigue. And that's um, emotional and physical.
0: And what are some of the tools that you use in your training and coaching to help with this process?
1: Yep. So probably the easiest way to explain that is, is to explain the three levels that I work with people okay. on. So the first level is around um, when you're feeling stressed, recognizing that in yourself, because that's quite a thing in, in itself, recognizing it and then having um, one or more things that go to the physiological response of stress that basically work in very rapidly to bring yourself back to calm so that if you are stressed, you see you're stressed and you bring yourself back to calm as, as quickly as possible. And there's, there's all sorts of ways to do that. That's the first level. The second level, there are lifestyle and mindset, um, things that make an enormous difference to how much and how how much we feel stress and how, how it affects us. Um, so the three core basics are sleep, diet and exercise, which pretty much everybody knows they have a big effect on wellbeing and surprise, surprise, they have a big effect on stress as well um, and have an enormous impact um, but there's all sorts of other ones too. So things like um, working on positive relationships in your life, so whether that's family, work, friends, however. Um, things like finding things that you love and really scheduling time to actually really do those things that you love and, and that that core self-care. Um, and in terms of that second level, there's also mindset. So there's a lot of things in the way that we view things and process things mentally that can make an enormous difference to how they affect us. And the third level, which often the third level more comes out in in one-on-one coaching because it's very personal and very individual, is people like myself whose stress is a regular thing in their life and a regular issue that comes up. There's generally subconscious underlying things that are actually really working on that and creating that stress. So um, as an example, uh, I had a real perfectionist um, side. Basically, my internal reality, not wasn't reality, but the way I saw the world is, is if I didn't do something perfectly, I wasn't good enough and it wasn't good enough in terms of the work I was doing. So that creates a cycle of stress and created a cycle of stress in myself. But perfectionism is just one example there's a whole range of um these things and and by the mere description of subconscious we're generally not aware of them so a big part of my coaching is actually identifying those um in people where stress is a regular thing and actually working on on creating a different um a different dynamic there so it doesn't continually create that stress and work against them
0: wow yeah i mean stress i know i'm a big um carrier of stress. You know, and like you said, I'm I'm slowly learning that when I feel myself getting stressed, I try to, you know, reel it back in and and calm myself down because it is, it's, it affects everything. Um and it's just so so just it's amazing what your mind can do to your body when you're stressed. Absolutely
1: um and that having that over a long period of time really has major health negative health effects so um yeah and just general quality of life effects so it's it's huge it's really important to work on
0: yeah yeah very much so um so i know you've written a book so tell us about that book
1: um i I'll, i have a copy here so i'll just put it up in the screen okay like gets it, yep. So um, basically world-class leadership, it is written for organisational leaders um, and it's written as an awareness piece so that um, i got in there 10 chapters and each chapter is different major cultural issues that, that happen regularly in organisations. Um, and the idea is that the leaders read it and go, that one applies to us, okay, and it's awareness because awareness is half the battle to um to addressing. Mm-hmm. So they may go chapter 1 yes that applies to us chapter 2 no we're fine there and it's to to get their awareness what's the problem and then the next step from that which is not covered in the book is is how to actually address it.
0: Mm. Wow. And so you're going into leadership I and mean, I know you said you worked in corporate um for a while. So what so what did you do because you know usually what, when we experience something we find and that's usually how we teach and train and and have our impact on the world because we've gone through things tell us about your journey in corporate which made you write that book and start to focus on resiliency
1: yeah so I've, I've held um fairly large range of positions the most um recent I was a um there's four big banks in Australia, sort of the main mm-hmm. core banks. So I was a branch manager for one of those four core um, banks, so very much a, one of the largest organisations in Australia, so definitely corporate. Um, prior to that was running a um, training organisation. Um, I've also done administration and finance management roles and way back equality management roles. So um, worked in, in various different roles of, of, um, management in a, in a range of organizations.
0: Yeah. So you've seen how it goes across the scope, you know, these things that are really necessary reason why you've decided to do this. And, um, let's talk about leadership because that's one of my passions as well. um, What are what are you seeing in leadership today as far as how we're living and what do you think are the things necessary for leadership going forward? Because I think the way we've all started to do business have changed in the last two years. So what are you seeing as far as being a leader going forward? Yeah. Um,
1: So what I'm seeing is there's an enormous need for leadership development Mm -hmm. Um, what has generally happened in the past and to a large extent is still happening is that people are good at doing a particular role Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. leaders see that and go oh you're joe you're fantastic at doing whatever you do Um, and they put them into a management position of looking after a team of people doing what joe used to do Mm -hmm. the problem is is leadership is a very different set of skills. But I find fairly consistently, there are exceptions, but fairly consistently the development of those leaders is really, really lacking. So um, organisations may do things like send that new leader on a a couple-of-day leadership course. Great foundation, um, just a starting point. And then they pretty much leave the leader to, to lead and then, may check in every now and then and, and direct a little bit um, i really take the view is is leadership is not an innate skill for most people you get some in some natural leaders but most people aren't mm-hmm. it is something that's developed over time and in most cases it's developed through trial and error and i think yeah. there's a much better way of doing it yeah. um, and and that in a leadership position, trial and error has huge ramifications for the individual, for the people they're leading, and also for the organisation. So I think there really needs to be a very, very strong emphasis on developing leadership. So through things like coaching programs, mentoring, ongoing um, support, and it's 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 funny you talk about leadership coaching and most people think of leadership coaching as as coaching the upper management I would actually Mm -hmm. argue you need that sort of coaching throughout the whole organization because to be honest middle management is one of the most difficult positions there is because you're like the person in the middle between the upper management and and the frontline people and you often don't have a lot of say in, in in decisions and that sort of stuff is in extremely difficult position. So I would say there really needs to be much better um, development of leaders. Now, I know there was a second part of your question and I've <laughs> forgotten it. Can I get you to repeat? What are
0: you, what are you seeing is necessary um, going forward with some of the characteristics in a good leader?
1: Um, so probably... Probably the number one I would say is emotional intelligence. If you're leading people, you need emotional intelligence. Um, And there's two parts to it. Most people don't realise there's two parts. So the first part that most people are aware of is being able to connect with others, so having that empathy and connection with with your team. The second part, though, that people generally aren't aware of is around your own self-development. Yeah. So your own self-awareness, your own um, self-control, um, and really getting to know yourself, what makes you perform well, what what triggers you into behaviour that you wouldn't like, that sort of stuff. So leaders really do need to develop that in themselves in order to lead really well. Mm-hmm. And they need to have basic things like um, humility and um, a realization that yes, they will make mistakes and um, having the authenticity that goes with with being really clear to you to your um, to your people who answer to you, saying, yeah, I am probably going to make mistakes. I really do want you to speak up and tell me things. Um, that sort of dynamic and creating that dynamic is so so, so important for leaders for the individual, for the leaders and for the organization.
0: You know, I totally agree. And like I said, leadership is one of my passions from being in the military and being an officer and a leader, but you're so correct. Many times, not many, most times corporations, they have, you know, Joe, like you said, he was good at making the widgets. So now they put him as manager of widgets and, people suffer, right? You know, we've there's that saying that says people don't leave jobs, they leave managers, which is so true because when you have a bad leader, people don't want to stay and work for that bad leader. So when you're when you're working with these corporations, how how do you make them understand this? Because every I've seen it, you've seen it, other people have seen it, that okay, you get, you know, Joe, who made the good widgets, but then there's, they put them there, but then there's no leadership training and, or they send them to one thing when they first get the position. And then after that it's done. Um, so how can this change? And what are, how are you telling these corporations they, how they need to actually develop their leaders?
1: Yep. Such a good question. Um, a lot of the time with organizational leaders, you have to speak to, um, statistics and studies because it's that, um, I don't know, that, that one-step remove evidence mm-hmm. for them and they can look at it and go, oh, okay, the return on investment of doing this is blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So that's an unfortunate reality but it's something that you often have to do to make it really obvious. I'm finding it is shifting though. Leaders are becoming more aware of of the importance of culture and um, really helping support leaders and build it. So it is is changing, but it's changing very slowly and it's not across the board. Um, So that helps my my job a little bit. if, If leaders may know we've got an issue, but we don't know what it is or how to address it, well, the fact that they've acknowledged there's an issue is a step in itself in terms of, Addressing it because if someone is head in the sand, no, we don't have a problem. Pretty much as a as a consultant coming in, I'm not going to get very far because right. if those leaders don't acknowledge there's an issue there, then they're really not going to be open to um, addressing it. So, I guess really realizing. So one of the first things I do is is go into the organisation and find out what's actually going on, mm-hmm. and that can be an eye opener in itself. So. Um things like chatting with different staff around different areas of the organisation, observing the dynamics and how people relate to each other, um, doing things like surveys to get a, a snapshot of, of where we're at um, or where they're at. So pretty much getting together that, that information and presenting it to the leaders, it, it almost it's an eye-opener in itself where they go, ah, okay. Now, what can we do to to address it? So, originally, it's statistics and and patterns, and then and then finding out what's actually going in their organization. And um,
0: yeah, interesting process. Yeah, you know it really is, and you know, and it, it it just boggles my mind how you have corporations that really don't invest in their leaders. You know, you, they put people in leadership, and like I say, they may give them one initial class or course or whatever when they get the position, but then that's really it. And then, you know, you wonder why the morale is bad or people leave or people don't want to produce. And a lot of times they focus on that individual saying, Oh, well, this is a a terrible employee or worker. When a lot of times it's not them, it's the person who's supposed to be leading them. Um, And it, I don't think, I don't think businesses realize that because, you know, honestly, I don't think people, cause we, we all, we go to work and we work more hours at a job than we do at home. So I don't think most people don't go to work to say, I'm going to just go to work and do a horrible job and be a horrible person. So I believe people do want to be fulfilled in their job. They do want to do a good job, but then there's always that, Something happened that demotivated them or made them say, you know what, this, I'm just not happy here.
1: Yep. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Most people want to do a good job. Um, and the other side of that is most leaders want to be good leaders as well. Mm-hmm. So they, by not giving them the support and training, you're actually not doing the right thing by them. Right. as well and a lot of leaders um will go no this is too hard and step out of it when they could have actually been really good leaders if they've been given the right support and then there's other people who go i'm not going into leadership this is because they see what happens to people who go into leadership so yes so important and you're, you're spot on most people whether whether you're the, the cleaner, the whatever, whatever position in the, in the business, we want to actually do a good job and we want to get um, some sort of sense of satisfaction and acknowledgement for the work we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so, so important. Um, Yeah. And we could talk about this forever because I really, I'm so passionate about it and because I've had so many bad leaders in my career and that's that was one of the reasons why I was like, yes, I want to be a leader to change this. Um, and it's 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 bad. And I think, it, well, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I think most people can say they probably have more poor leaders than they have good leaders. You know, the good leaders are like few and far in between, and then the poor leaders, you're like, okay, here we go again. You know, here's somebody here, um, and you know, and the emotional intelligence part is very very important. And, you know, I always say that just being being sincere and actually caring about your your team, your person, because when you have someone who's in leadership, they may not be the best leader or they may be a leader that you maybe don't particularly care for, but at least if they have some kind of empathy and care and you feel that they're sincere about it, you know, you, you can work with that. Right. Um, and I, and I've said this before, and I told the story that I had a second line supervisor. So he was like, you were saying that middle person, he was my immediate supervisor, supervisor, but one, I really didn't care for the person, but then I really didn't care for him because he would see me and he'll say, Oh, Trina, how are you doing? How are your two boys? I don't have two boys. And I told him this the first time he said it, I said, I don't have two boys. Well, every time he saw me after that, he would ask the same thing. And so pretty much I just got fed up and I said, you know what? I'm not going to even correct him anymore because one, he's showing me he really doesn't care because it's not important to him because he didn't listen the first time I told him. So when you have people like that, it's very demotivating for you to be the employee working for this person because first of all like I said I really didn't care for him just based on the things that he did but then when he did that I was like you know it was almost like an insult to my intelligence it was like he's he's acting like he cares but he really doesn't so when you have someone like that how do you handle that
1: it's a very interesting question um in the end, it's it's a big decision that you make in, in yourself. So one of the decision, one of the decisions you can make, and we're seeing this with the, the great resignation, is make the decision of I am better off leaving. Mm-hmm. That is always an option. Um, but if you are staying, it's almost like what I try and discourage people from doing is letting it make their life and their work life um, difficult and bad and Mm -hmm. unhappy. So in that sort of situation, you almost need to, and it's probably an advantage that he was not your direct manager, he was your manager's manager, so Mm -hmm. we didn't have as much contact with him, um, almost make a mental thing of, well, yeah, that's really not great, um, but mentally compartmentalise it and go, well, That's a reflection on him. It's not a reflection on me. Mm -hmm. And so that it doesn't bring you down because in the end you're making a decision to be there. Right. And that's an unfortunate part of it. Yeah. You can do things like try to correct them, but you would know the manager yourself as to whether that would actually be a useful, positive thing or not. So just say that was a manager who actually did care and it was an honest mistake like you pro- like you did say like you did the first time and and you corrected them, um, and they, they some managers would be really open to that. Mm-hmm. So that is a, is an option to try, um, but you'll know in yourself whether this person is likely to be or not. Which it sounds like in your your example, he wasn't. Right. Um, so I would almost say compartmentalise it if you if you can, because by being brought down and feeling negative because of that person, you're giving them that power over your own well being. Mm. Um, so you really do need to work through it in yourself. And it, it's it's a it's a balance because you don't want to also squash your feelings and go, well that makes me feel devalued and squash that aside and not process it. So it really is a it's it's a balance between um, not letting it affect you and compartmentalizing it and, but also processing and acknowledging it. So I don't think that was a direct answer really, but yeah, it is quite individual and do realize you always have a choice.
0: Right. Right. And and that's, you know, I guess where your resiliency part comes in as well, where you, you have to know yourself and know what's going to work best for you. Um So, you know, whether you're going to stay and, you know, be bothered with that or, and be stressed about it or if you're going to, uh, you know, move on. So that's, that's something great. Yeah. And it's always um, an interesting conversation. I love having the conversation about leadership and things like that. And like I said, the stress is, that's a totally different topic uh, because I think now more than ever, I think a lot of people are self-aware of the stress that they're going through And especially the um, mental, emotional, you know, we saw it, you know, with the Olympics, right? With um, Simone Biles, who sat out because she said she was having mental, you know, exhaustion and mental issues. And it used to be a time where we didn't see that. No one would say, I'm having mental difficulties. And, you know, it's not saying that you're crazy or something's wrong with you, but it's just being in touch with you when you're saying, you know what? I'm exhausted. I'm at that level where I can't cope. Um, And I just think, you know, and, and you know, and it's funny, and I just thought about this, but what do you think was the great change that made people now start to come out and say, I'm not well mentally? I need to take a mental break. Because it seems like all of a sudden people have started to become transparent with it where it wasn't like that before.
1: Um, it's such a good question. I'm not sure if I know the answer. Um, You're right. It has definitely changed. It's still got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still a lot of stigma attached to mental health issues. Um, In terms of what's changed, I don't know. In terms of business culture, it's important to acknowledge it, be aware of it, and make it okay. So maybe mm. there's some sort of it's more of a permission thing now that that it's okay to talk about it. But as to what's actually changed as a whole society for that to happen, I'm not sure. I mean, things like do you guys have Are You Okay Day?
0: It's no. A, a
1: thing. Oh, we have a, a Are You Okay Day, which is a basically nice. thing around acknowledging. But it's only one day. <laughs> you go can't be day, okay. My argument is it shouldn't just be one day, it should be all the time. But yeah.
0: Anyway.
1: Um, so I guess there's generally a, a whole cultural change that it is actually there acknowledging it and making it okay for people to talk about it because people don't feel safe talking about it, they won't.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, so
1: and it's fantastic that somebody like Simone's come out and said it publicly because mm-hmm. that's almost like giving permission for other people to do it. And you're talking about a world-leading athlete. Right. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we can go on forever with that, but we're going to go into our questions. Are you ready?
1: <laughs> I see rapid fire.
0: Yes. <laughs> and you can answer them business or personally, however you want to do it. Okay, who or what motivates you?
1: Um, I, I get motivated by helping people get that real feel-good about helping people and making a real difference in the world.
0: What demotivates you?
1: Disrespect.
0: Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you? but it worked out for your good.
1: The thing that comes to mind is, and I won't talk specifics because of the people who may be able to be, be tracked down as mm-hmm. equal, but th- there was a time a few years ago where a, a manager of mine called me on, I was avoiding something and it was a, a people orientated person thing. I was avoiding it because it was extremely confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called me aside and, and basically called me on my avoidance and um, he was absolutely correct, absolutely correct. And he did it in such a way where um, facing that and going through that confronting situation um, helped the team at large dramatically mm-hmm. um, because of the effects of what was going on and it also helped a lot in my own development as a leader.
0: Wow. Last
1: example.
0: What is your fear?
1: Ooh, ooh, I'm not sure about that one. Um, Self determination. That's probably the biggest thing. I like. I I really do. One of my core things is to actually be in to feel in control of my own my own focus, my own situations. So probably a real lack of self-determination would be my biggest. Mm. Off the top of my head, I've not thought about (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't?
1: It's a tricky (laughs) question. I'm sure there is. Nothing's coming to mind. There will be examples, but nothing's coming to mind.
0: Okay, so here's the other one. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something?
1: Things aren't coming to mind, sorry. It doesn't mean that, that there's definitely going to be examples, just nothing's jumping to mind,
0: sorry. That's okay. What is your definition of success?
1: Doing what's important to you and living the life that you want to live that's important to you. Um, and that that for different people is a different thing. So for some people it's freedom. For some people it's um, it's love. For some people mm-hmm. it's it's recognition. For some people it's helping. So it, it's a very individual thing. It's it's creating the life that you want um, and doing the things that you want to do in your life as long as they don't hurt hurt other people.
0: Right. How do you recharge?
1: Um, I'm very much somebody, it's funny, I I talk publicly like this, but I'm an introvert by nature because I recharge by myself. Um, the best way for me to recharge is things like going for a walk, um, by myself or meditating or just, it's very much a recharge by myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I get that because I'm an introvert as well. So I understand (laughs) What are you awesome at?
1: Connecting. Okay. So when I do actually um, connect with people, oh, dog! Um, <laughs> when, I, when I connect with people, really, yeah, connecting with people one on one on a on a, a, a soul, what's important to them level.
0: Mm-hmm. What legacy do you want to leave?
1: Um, I want to make a real positive impact in the world and make a real difference, um, whether that's on my current focus of around resilience and business culture, which I think is extremely important or in other areas. I really do want to make a positive impact on the world.
0: Great. Well, Jody, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, get your book and tell us what you have going on.
1: So the easiest way to connect with me, if you go onto my website, um, you'll see obviously the spelling of my name in the show notes. Um, It's just jodiewalkeling.com. In there you can see various interviews, blogs, um, information about what I do, my services. Um, There's also lots of ways that you can reach out to me through there. So there's various forms through there. Um, and there's also a, a page on there on my book. So you can find out about the book and how to get it um, by going onto my website. Great. Also on on very active on LinkedIn. So that's you can go there. And I've also got um Facebook and, and that sort of stuff as well.
0: Great. Well, yeah, I'm going to connect with you on LinkedIn because I love LinkedIn as well. But thank you for being with me. This morning or you know afternoon for you um it's been a pleasure speaking with you and um I just I really thank you for being on Trina Talk.
1: Thank you so much for having me on this a guest, Trina it's been
0: I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.